0: This is Let's Talk Business with your hosts, Mark Ebinger and Heather Bain. Now, here's Mark.
1: Welcome to Let's Talk Business, a show that talks entrepreneurship with some of the best businesses in the San Antonio area. Coming up on the show today, we're going to talk with my favorite lawyer, Keaton Freeberg, law partner with Texas Suits, who specializes in real estate and business transactions and litigation. Keaton, welcome back to the show. Hey, always happy to be here. Thank you. I'm loving the new digs, man. Thanks. (laughs) Thank you. I feel underdressed. But I, I still look good, but you, you look better. You do. No,
0: you look great. <laughs> That's He's a great color. to represent <laughs> Texas suits. We're also
1: going to talk with Jaime Sepulveda, the founder and CEO of Strategic Property Management, a company that helps investors grow and manage their residential and multifamily real estate portfolios. Jaime, welcome back to the show.
2: Thank you for having me back. You're looking, looking forward sh- to it.
1: Yeah, you're looking sharp as well.
2: Trying to keep up Keating. You know how that goes. <laughs> I am the color podcast coordination. podcast voice. <laughs>
1: In studio with us today is Heather Bain, a certified business coach that works with business owners to gain clarity in business and achieve their goals. Heather, welcome back.
3: I'm always happy to be here. I mean, I don't get to wear suits cuz I'm, I'm I I could, I guess. You could wear
1: You know what? I'm actually offended you didn't wear a suit. It's a different <laughs> vibe <laughs> but when I wear
3: a suit. I look like a teeny tiny little powerhouse, which is like okay. Well, that's good. <laughs> I Like it.
1: I'm your host, uh, Mark Evinger, the owner of Krukus Marketing Agency, a company that specializes in giving small businesses a competitive edge by hiring administrative and social media experts from the Philippines. Uh, you know it says in my notes, it's a little $7 an hour, but we actually have to raise our prices now. <laughs>
0: it's Imagine like prices that. Everywhere. Imagine it's COVID. Imagine that. I haven't heard that before. Oh oh. a I'll do the same. <laughs> <laughs> no, you need to stop. <laughs>
1: Because like 5% raise on your side is a lot more than mine, I think. Mm -hmm. All right, a quick reminder for our listeners, you can catch video and podcast versions of the show anytime by visiting our website at SATalkradio.com. And if you're a business owner in the San Antonio area and would like to have your company featured on the show, visit our website at SATalkradio.com or call our office at 210-960-8210. That's 210-960-8210. All right. So uh, Keaton, uh, it's great as always to have you back on the show. I know you got a disclaimer you want to get out in front of folks because we're on a podcast and we don't want people thinking that, oh, this is like real advice that I need to take action on immediately without talking to anybody. So what's yeah, your disclaimer?
0: Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. Anything said today on uh, on the podcast is not or, the, or YouTube or wherever you're hearing it is not legal advice. You know, if you have a legal issue, you should seek independent counsel
1: um, to help you with your uh, particular matter. All right, so this is the little bit of fun that I want to have with Keaton before we get too far <laughs> yeah, off, right? So first of all, for those of you who don't know Keaton, he's he's a lot of fun. He's a He's got a great spirit. He's got a great personality. It's like if you're going to pick a lawyer to work for you in the business realm, why not have somebody who's smiling, having a good time, and thinks he dresses fancy? You're too nice. And right. thinks he dresses fancy. Thank you. I slid one under. I didn't <laughs> yeah. I didn't. Anyway, so I watched this. My wife and I are hooked on this show on Netflix called Suits.
3: Yes, I just started watching that. You did, again. yes. Why?
1: Why did you start watching? Did you? Oh, hear me I've
3: seen it before. I like started watching it back when it came out, but now like Meghan Markle, and I love a law drama.
1: Mm. Yeah. So, the course of course, the show's name is Suits, and you guys are Texas Suits, which mm-hmm. I think you're. if they had your logo with the boat with the tie there, because they talk about ties and stuff on the show, but have you seen the show anyway, Suits? It's so funny that you say that, because literally this last week, everybody's been telling me to watch it,
0: and I was okay. like, finally, one day, I was just exhausted, and I was like, I'm going to throw it on. So I put it on, and now I'm like six episodes deep, which is a <laughs> lot for <laughs> me, because I don't really sit down and watch yeah. Netflix ever, but it's going great.
1: Well, you're like 250 bucks an hour or something like that, right? I mean, it's like your time is super valuable. How do you even watch TV? My wife would be like, "Um, shouldn't you be doing something right? Shouldn't you be billing somebody for this or whatever?
3: (laughs) So that'd be a little bit. So, uh, okay, just for the sake of having fun, how does that compare to real life?
2: That's a great question.
3: That's
1: exactly like real life.
3: You don't yeah. say anything else. all. <laughs> That's where you stop. So the
0: one thing that I think is crazy is when they have, you know, they'll get a new case and then they'll go to trial on it like that same day. Oh my god! That's gosh. the one thing that I'm just like, wow, because usually it's months, years, sometimes to make go to it trial. For good TV, though, yeah, right. But they waiting. Exactly. Well,
1: it's just like Law and Order. So I mean, I was a cop for thirty years, right? So I mean, I worked homicide cases. I, and I worked in internal affairs cases. And it's it's just like that. It's like, come on. They turn it around in an hour. I actually <laughs> had to stop watching these crime shows when I went to homicide because I was like, oh, my gosh. I, I couldn't even watch them anymore. But are you do you get that feel at all when you're watching Suits? I mean, there's a lot that's actually
0: pretty, like, on point as far as the procedural matters uh, that they handle or, like, the type of cases and, and issues that they handle. Um, the only thing that's really and like that i thought was crazy was the whole turnaround time on how fast the cases yeah. were but other than that like it's kind of realistic you
2: really. know it's talking about timeline you're talking about the pd world law world real estate world same thing everybody knows mm-hmm. about these reality uh real estate um, shows the renovation estate. shows yeah. and i would always <laughs> find especially when i first got licensed and i had already been flipping properties and then i saw one of those shows they started coming up like how do they do it so fast how do these guys get these timelines? Until you start figuring it out, they don't. They're not. <laughs> They're not doing it. Just good for TV. Kind or of
3: they do. And have you seen? There's several home inspectors on TikToks that'll just come and they'll show the flips, the super fast flips, and just lipstick on a pig, oh, just cutting
2: corners. Oh yeah. I had
3: a friend who said she got a renovation and she was like, I was surprised that the contractors would just YouTube and Google how to do things that I knew sure. how to do. I was like. Sure. But yeah, it's wild out there. But yeah. a good one, it'll take six to nine months. That's
2: why we live in this microwave society. Mm-hmm. We feel like everything's supposed to be like this, but the reality mm-hmm. is something different. And yeah, I think so that's
3: true. a good segue into talking about what you do, because when people rent their properties or they they buy a building, they think they can manage it themselves. And then what happens?
2: Exactly. We kind of expect that it's it's kind of turnkey. We all expect and want it to be turnkey. And that's kind of, I guess, where we kind of come in with our services is that we try to provide everything from A to Z. Uh, we try to provide a full turnkey pro- product because we know everybody's busy. Everybody's got their core competency that they're taking care of, their career, their family, their kids. Uh, but they also understand the importance of Building future wealth, whether it be for themselves or next generation. And real estate has proven to, been, to be that, that avenue. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's what we're there for. We're there for those individuals that know that they understand the value, they don't have the time to be able to do it correctly. And that's where we kind of come in. We partner up with them, we walk with them along uh, the whole process of not only just acquiring, let's identify value adds, let's make sure it's performing correctly, and let's make sure that it's appreciating over time. So for when and if it's time. To liquidate it or or turn it, whatever that may be, it's ready.
3: So I feel like when people think real estate, they think buy sell, but you are that long term hold management piece. So how did you get into property management?
2: Um, it wasn't it wasn't directly. What happened was uh, early two thousands. I was I was uh, investing and flipping properties as a hobby. Uh, it was a side hustle of mine. Um, And I had a business that I was running at that time. In about 2005, 2006, my business, I saw the writing on the wall was being phased out. And I was stuck with the question, hey, what am I going to do now? I kind of like this real estate thing. Let me get licensed. I can 10x what I have already been doing. Uh, So I got licensed. And, of course, as we all know, life doesn't usually work out the way we specifically plan it. Mm -hmm. And instead of 10xing what I was doing on the investment side, I had an opportunity to – buy into a uh, real estate franchise. And so now I turned into recruiting and training real estate agents. Uh, I did that for about three years until I realized like that was not my cup of tea. Mm -hmm. Uh, During those three times, the three years, I would have people constantly just kind of ask me, I always more spoke the investor lingo. Uh, So they would ask me, hey, can you help me acquire real estate uh, investment? Sure, that's like we can do that. Hey, uh, will you help me manage it? Says, well, I've got all the tools under this umbrella. It'll be a couple extra bucks a month. Sure, let's do that. And at that three-year period when I realized that recruiting training real estate agents wasn't my gig, um, I, I turned around. We had about 50 properties that were just unorganically being managed. Uh, I had a business partner at that time. I sold him my portion of the real estate firm. I took these 50 properties and stilled some, um, some systems, some processes. Hired the right people to get in there. Absolutely. That's always the key. And we started growing it from there. And our core values that we have right now are are things that I wish I would have had and known when I first started, especially in the early 2000s when I was flipping on my own. Uh, I I was your stereotypical first-time investor where I was being taken advantage by contractors. They weren't doing the right work. They weren't showing up. Uh, I wasn't filling out the proper contracts, uh, for renting properties. So I was finding a lot of pitfalls and it cost me a lot of time and a lot of money. Uh, so those bases is now you fast forward 20 years. And a lot of that is what we provide to our clients. We tell our clients, Hey, you guys don't have to literally worry about anything in the sense of when it comes to, uh, finding qualified vendors, I mean, doing, uh, quality work, uh, Finding qualified residents, making sure your your asset is not only being taken care of, but it's appreciating correctly, market value wise. Uh, so that's that's kind of what's grown over the past twenty years, if you want to call it. SPM Strategic Property Management has been around since two thousand eleven, <coughs> mm-hmm. uh, and that's when we've got intentional about it.
3: I love that got intentional about it.
2: Yes, and it was in its systems, processes, the right people. That's getting intentional.
3: And what size of property is your sweet spot to manage?
2: You know that's a that's a great question. So we found out throughout the years that we our sweet spot is individuals that are just starting out, or they have somewhere between five to six properties. Mm-hmm. Uh, why that happens is because that's where that's where we can provide the biggest value. Okay. Uh, we've learned that those individuals, those portfolios, are the ones that need um, what we what we have to offer in the sense of uh we're we still we're very personal with our clientele uh we try to stay in touch as much as possible uh our business model we cap what our full portfolio is because we've learned that if we scale past that now we're changing our systems now we're changing our processes we're changing our people and it's taken us many years to get where we're at our systems and processes Mm. i don't want to change that because where we're at right now it still allows us to have communication with our clients and it's not just necessarily a number that's kind of why we stay where we're at. Uh, And those individuals that are hovering or averaging between three to seven properties, I think that's who we provide the best service to.
1: And when you talk about protecting those assets, protecting that investment property, this is where you come in. There was a good question that...
3: So especially if it's, you know, bigger than a single family, like if if people have like a small apartment complex or something like that, generally we're not seeing one person say, I, Heather Baim, am buying this entire car- apartment complex. What's the structure of that?
2: I think this is a great question for Keaton.
0: Yeah, you know. yeah. So, um, I mean, whether it's, and I don't know, I don't know what, you know, your your portfolio looks like or your clientele looks like as far as whether they're owning these properties in their personal names or whether they're creating a, a, an LLC or even a series LLC um, to hold these properties. But um, from my Perspective, uh, the you know the most advantageous way to hold all of these assets, especially here in Texas, is the series limited liability company. Mm-hmm. Um, the beauty of the series limited liability company is that you know if if you if you take a regular limited liability company, it has the ability. If you if you think of it as like an umbrella you have the ability to split off of that uh, off of that limited liability company and make what's called series or cells and each of these cells is severed from liability from one another just like a regular llc so it works perfect for real estate investors who are like what you're talking about here who have you know four five six seven properties because they can have one limited liability company and then put each one of their single family homes or duplexes whatever they have into these compartmentalized cells and know that, you know, each one of those is protected if something were to
1: happen to one of those. So if somebody has an accident on one of the properties, it's not going to affect the, I guess, the, the revenue or the, the assets of the rest of the thing.
0: Yeah. And that's a great point. Sorry. That's something that everybody's, uh, I think it's kind of like a, a, a misconception here. Everybody thinks that liability stems from the asset. So they think, okay, I have my tenant who's living at the property. Maybe they're stairs, they're walking up the stairs, they step through the stairs or something like that. I, I had them done. That's where the liability comes from, right? So, but what's funny is that where the liability typically comes from is ourselves. So, liability runs both ways it can run from the asset to us or from us to the asset. Mm-hmm. So, if you own a property in your own name, you're at HEB and you're backing up, you didn't see, you know, grandma pushing the shopping cart behind you, you bump into her. Um, you get sued and you're held personally liable. Well, that liability, just because it didn't stem from the asset, doesn't mean that that judgment can't extend to the asset at that point if it's owned in your personal name. So the point that I'm trying to get at here is that most people think that the liability arises from the owning the home itself, but really it comes from us.
1: Okay. So in a situation, let's do a real, uh, uh, a Pretend example, right? Sure. Totally hypothetical, right? <laughs> <laughs> so if if somebody is Airbnb type situation, uh-huh. right? And they're going up the steps to their second floor room and they slip and fall because maybe there's something wrong with the step or sure. whatever. It's, sure. And then they become injured. So that property is in that owner of that property is at risk there, I would think. And then to what we were talking about earlier it wouldn't extend to any other properties if they have them compartmentalized like that. So, so I'm correct in that? Correct uh, to the extent that
0: you uh that, that the series is maintained properly so that, you know, each of these different cells that I'm talking about has to be treated as if it's its own company. If you're commingling assets, if you're well really if you're Funnily. just commingling the business in general, then you might be able to what what they call pierce the corporate veil and get through one to another uh-huh. to another cell. But assuming all the formalities are being followed then yes it would what you said is true okay So,
3: is there like a price ta- like for some reason I'm, I'm thinking about an llc is tied to like five million dollars worth of assets is that anything i don't know where that came from something i heard years ago
0: so i have investors that have one single family unit that they they put in uh into the llc and i have some that I usually set up our series, series A, series B, series C. Mm-hmm. And I have some that are, you know, almost all the way through the alphabet. Yeah. So, um, cool. but that'd be nice. to, to answer your question, I mean, it's it's really about you and your personal uh, setup. If you don't own anything uh, in your personal capacity, then maybe your situation is a little bit different. Um, but I think of the LLC as like a one-time insurance policy. I mean, you put it in there once and it's, it's uh, separated
1: from you. Is there a monetary limit to what the protection is? I think that.
3: Yeah, I think like oh, up to five million dollars, oh. or is there a monetary amount that you have to like? If it's this, I don't, I don't even know because if it's one asset, it would be in one Sounds LLC. More like, more
1: like you're talking about an insurance policy
0: versus. Yeah, I guess I am. I don't
3: know. I heard it on David. Yeah, I think you know, that, that makes ago.
0: sense. I think uh, no, I get what you're saying now. Like Sorry. You can put
3: up to five million dollars in one LLC and have it be protected, and then you need to do another LLC to get that same level.
0: I mean, I probably. That- just sounds right anyway. I would do something like that. I don't know if there necessarily is a, a, a like a judgment limit. I guess is is what, mm-hmm. I, is what I'm trying go. to get. Like, is there a yeah, limit okay. on how much a judgment can attach to you know a, one specific LLC? I don't know if that. I don't think that hmm. there is one. Um, but it's a good point though that, and that's why the series is great too. The series LLC is great is because maybe you don't have to hold five million dollars worth of of uh, assets in one compartment.
3: Now here's a question because I've been looking more into the. The multifamily real estate investing world, and what I've learned is it's it's a, a lot of it's a team sport. When you're buying assets that are one million plus, very few people have the money to either put up the down payment or qualify it on their own. It's usually a few people all going in. So how does that work when you have multiple owners of a single asset?
0: Yeah, so I mean these deals can be structured so many different ways. It's it's crazy, um, but a lot of the times we have a limited partner. Who forms a company, and then you have you it, like say that you were buying in, you would form your LLC, and your LLC would purchase uh, ownership in this okay. other company over here, and that company over here owns the building, and then you have the right to a distribution for the profits and losses of that of that um, asset.
3: And that
1: to, to me is fascinating. I, I definitely want to get to that point where I'm doing. <laughs> you can some start of scaling that. really yeah. quick.
0: Yeah. yeah, when you're using yeah. other people to to help. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Cause there's the, the what the joint ventures and the mm-hmm. syndication and there's that fine line between the two of them mm-hmm.
2: yes. where
3: you're you're so do you work with people in that kind of situation? We do. A lot? So we
2: have we have some uh, investor groups that do something very similar like that. Uh, why? Because it becomes more attainable. Mm-hmm. Larger az- uh, assets become more attainable. Uh, and what uh, what's always very key in those because we've seen on both sides of it where they work out great and some just don't work out so right is, of course, having someone like Keaton actually just kind of making sure that all the documents, everything, yeah. all the expectations are set up up front because uh, the rest of it, get, acquiring the real estate and managing it, so on and forth, that's the easy part, really. Let's get the structure set up correctly and everything from there kind of starts falling in place.
3: Do you see people who don't put that structure oh, in place? Yeah. and what are what's like the worst case you've seen? Um,
2: Let me see. Worst case uh, that I recall, uh, possibly, I don't know if it was worst case, but it it didn't work out well, was about three or four years ago, uh, we had a prospect uh, approach us in reference that they were closing on a, I think it was like a 42-unit apartment community. And uh, they were coming in from the West Coast. Uh, We meet with one of them. Uh, Well, we meet with him. And traditional, same questions, let's look at the asset, let's walk it, let's give, us our, let's give the perspective, let's give a visual. Uh, later on, we find out that he has two partners. Okay, not a big deal. Let's make the introductions, let's, let's have a conversation. How is this structured? Oh, well, we haven't had anything structured yet, but we're talking to our attorneys, great. Later on, if you guys take the time, make an introduction. So we're all on the same page. Everybody wants to be make sure that we're all speaking the same language. Uh, the the, the, the uh, project continued. Uh, this project, it was a complete uh, cre- what we call restabilization, meaning that we evict everybody that's currently there. We're renovating the full unit, and then we're going to have to kind of uh, rebrand it. Mm-hmm. And we're midway through the process, uh, already renovated maybe half of the community. Uh, when um, we're we're notified that there's a lawsuit with one of the one of the partners. Um, and so in those situations on the manage- management side, our responsibilities are uh, just to be as transparent as possible with what everything has happened, what work has been done, who the communication with has happened. And we, we provided all of that. But what ended up happening was that I guess they never tied anything up at the very beginning, the structure. Um, and one of the individuals, a lot to Keaton's point earlier, had something happen in his personal life. That now they were coming after these assets, and because the rest of the partners weren't protected, yeah. it became very ugly very Ooh. quickly. And at the end of the day, they had to liquidate uh, that project oh, halfway.
0: Yeah, that is crazy. Yeah,
2: and it's all because it. I mean, we don't know all the details, but from what we gather outside, it could have definitely been taken care of if they did everything up front correctly and just. And sometimes we we get caught up, we get too excited about, oh, this is what's exciting over here. This is the sexy part. Well, we could take care of the paperwork later. But the reality is that paperwork is the foundation. It's the structure. And that's what everything's going to be held up to.
0: Yeah. It sounds like they were just operating as a general partnership, which has no limited liability protection at all. I mean, a a general partnership is just two people, individuals going together uh, for the purpose to make profit. And so, but they're not going to be severed from anything. So that the having an entity in general sounds like it would have helped them a lot and then also if you got three people going in on a, a deal you got to have an operating agreement okay. those expectations between all of those members have to be set up front because stuff's going to come up everything it like you will. said everything's all great and yeah. and awesome in the beginning everything looks exciting but then you start to get into it you know somebody's not fulfilling their obligations or something like that and you need something that's going to govern how all the parties should uh, absolutely. Uh, yeah.
2: yeah, money has a funny way of, of finding those those cracks and then in yeah. between like relationships. Water. Yes. Well,
3: yeah. and I operated in the residential real estate space, but I'm assuming that in purchases of that size and scope, there's not a lot of promulgated forms to be using. I'm, I'm guessing that those contracts have to be written up by an actual lawyer. Yes.
2: I would prefer they do have promulgated oh, forms. Yeah, I do. They do have promulgated oh. forms for it, uh, but I would prefer to refer to someone like Keaton mm-hmm. uh, because it's more, it's more customized to the actual situation, whether it be different parties, specific assets, uh, the proper expectations.
1: And you don't know what you don't know until you end up yeah. getting sued or something mm-hmm. happens and you're like, now you just lose everything because you didn't yeah. spend – a little bit of time and extra money to make sure it's done right well, on the upfront. Yeah, and every transaction's so different, you know.
3: Well, even in those like the ten-page residential, single-family one to four, whatever multi-track multi- contracts. Uni- contracts. I I still would see agents who were not properly trained on it, or they didn't know the nuances, because mm-hmm. there's nuances to contract law that you know I can't even speak to it as a licensed agent because I'm not a lawyer. But you got to understand the implications. And there would be agents that didn't or they didn't know how to read it and they didn't give their clients the advice and their clients would skip over some really meaty stuff. Mm -hmm. And that's in, I mean, it's still high stakes in in one to four family, but it's not near as high if you're buying a $4 million multi-unit. I can't even imagine trying to write that contract. I would Uh. definitely not do it.
2: No, but but to both (laughs) of y'all's points is we only know what we know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you align yourself, you partner yourself with the right team you mentioned earlier, which is always key. Uh, we're talking about systems, processes, alignments. And that's kind of like where we're all talking about right here, right, is we all get that understanding. That, and that's one of the first conversations that we have with prospects is that. So it's, do you have your team together? So well, what's your team consist of? Well, let's make sure that first and foremost, you have the proper representation on the a- agent side. Let's make sure that your lender understands what kind of asset you're looking for because it's a different lender from residential to commercial or even if it is multifamily or a quadplex. Uh, So there are those nuances that you want to know. Make sure the inspector is the correct one for this. Uh, Make sure that we have the right legal uh, team that we can turn to when we have those specific questions. Uh, Your property management team. So it's all a team effort.
3: And back to actually managing it, I know there are some nuances with property management law that some tenants can use to to kind of skirt that line. How nuanced is that information? If you don't know it, you can get really screwed.
2: It can. Uh, and and Keenan can probably speak to this better than I can because of our situations. We've had a few where um, they'll use they'll use the letter of the law to be able to buy themselves another 30 days, 60 days. And. Um, We've we've learned throughout the years that uh, contracts are everything, mm-hmm. uh, documenting text messages, emails, conversations goes a long way. Mm-hmm. So if you're doing everything by the book, yes, you do have to spend time going to court and appearing in front of a judge. Uh, but nine out of 10 times, it works out. But the individuals that are doing it themselves, uh, everything's fine until you mentioned earlier, there's a lawsuit. And that's where things kind of get squirrely uh, because, well, as a do-it-yourselfer, you didn't know that, hey, there's a property code 92, that you have to have smoke detectors. You have to have uh, certain locks, keyless locks in the front back door kind of thing. Uh, and those things, the, the new tenants or there's legal representations out there that hone in on that and will advise these tenants to say, hey, we can, grab it. we can grab onto this and we can buy you some extended time or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. And that's where it gets costly time and money wise. And of course, individuals like like Keaton, he would advise landlords because there's some landlords that maybe will do it themselves, but they, they know enough to say, I need to hire an attorney like Keaton. So I don't find myself in that situation. So there's that angle as well.
3: Yeah. Well, I think you said it really well at the beginning. You learned these lessons by having to go through them. You learned them the hard way. It cost money. It costs time. And that's the huge value add you guys offer as property managers is, you maybe don't learn it the hard way. Hire absolutely, me. Absolutely,
2: <laughs> absolutely. That's that's what we want. We don't want to repeat other people's uh, mistakes if we already know what those are. Let's let's help. There's a, there's a whole set of other challenges that's going to come around. Well, let's make new mistakes. Exactly. Let's make new mistakes. I like the way that sounds. Let's make so new. So, what
1: mistakes. about the selection process?
0: I was going to ask that same thing. Are You talking about tenants? Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. Ask your question. <laughs> I was going to ask you, uh, you know, how do you find these tenants on behalf of your of your clients?
2: Absolutely. So, great question. Uh, first and foremost, I mean, of course, you have to expose the properties as much as possible. Nowadays, everything's online. So, about seventy-five to eighty-five percent of new applicants come in from first from online. So, everything from Zillow to Google Homes to Yahoo Pads. Uh, there's about 65 different websites that you put the property on. At that, part, at that point, uh, you get applicants that come in. Uh, and so you're doing uh, – you, we learned a long time ago that it's better to take an additional day or two to really kind of screen this as opposed to hurry up and rush it. Because It's going to cost you so much more time in the middle of a tenancy to get uh, this uh, a tenant out. Uh, So, of course, what are we looking for? We have certain criteria. Everybody's a little bit different. uh, But our base criteria is at minimum three times the rent, uh, 600 credit score and above, no evictions, no bankruptcies in the past three years. Those are the basics. Now, we also know that life has happened. Say, for example, COVID three years ago. So a lot of people, their credit got dinged. So we try not to necessarily just take those data points, we kind of try and take more of a personal aspect of it, and it says, okay, look, we see that you've got a great rental history. We see that you make, the, you make uh, enough money to rent this property, but your credit score got dinged. a And we can see why, right? Because you, you have the background checks. So at that point, we're able to adjust a little bit more in the sense of, to make it fair, uh, what this works well. Okay, well, maybe it's an additional security deposit, Right. Uh, so because at the end of the day, what are we trying to do? We're trying to protect the asset. Now, right. nobody's got a crystal ball. Even good tenants go bad. Uh, but we minimize the, the obstacles from past experience on what we have seen, and these are the formulas that work. Uh, so that's kind of our process on how we go in the background to kind of select the qualified resident. And that's what we tell our clients is, is we're here to find a qualified resident uh, because at the end of the day, Part of a big part of owning real estate is how long can it can it stay without turning over, right? right. So we want yeah. to find somebody that's gonna not only stay there a good amount of time but take care of the property as well.
1: What about selecting the property itself? If you have an investor come in and they're like, "Hey, you know, I don't know what I'm doing here, and how do I find the property, the a good property?" And I know there's a lot of money in finding that property. So do you guys help with the finding the property part?
2: Absolutely. So uh, first, it runs the gamut. First, okay, what, what price point are we looking at, right? It's like when you're buying a residential home. Mm-hmm. It says, this is how much I can afford. Well, let's work at those numbers. It says, how did you get to those numbers? It says, well, I'm working with my lender. Great, let's pull in the lender together and make sure that we're maximizing w- what you're comfortable at. Once we identify that, then we start looking at assets at that price point. Uh, our Part of our evaluation on assets when we've gone through all that is um, a big part of it's what we call value add. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of properties that we find out there, and let's say it fits the scope initially. Uh, we go into the property and we see that uh, it, it's, a, it's a cliche, but we like properties that need a lot of work, ugly properties because those are the ones that usually find a little bit more margin. Mm-hmm. Most people are kind of scared of it because, well, that's too much work, I don't know the contractors, who's gonna over, oversee the projects. Well, once again, that's where your property management team comes into play is because that's what they're there for. They're there to, uh, they're supposed to already have all the contacts with the contractors, vetted contractors, uh, identify proper market value upgrades, meaning, Let's not go into a property and just put granite countertops on there because it looks great. Maybe that specific asset doesn't require granite countertops. We can get the same ROI if we put uh, some updated for mica countertops or some uh, um, replastered countertops, something that's a lot less expensive, but we're still getting the same rent. Mm-hmm. So let's make sure that we identify the correct upgrades. Um, and uh, so we'll walk through them with that process. We get our contractors so the property is under contract, it's gonna be inspected by a licensed real estate inspector. Uh, we make sure our contractor goes in there to give our client the numbers. How much is it gonna to cost to do these market relevant value adds? And then what is gonna be the rent to do that? It says, okay, so if we do these value adds, the rents are gonna to come to this. So we have how much we're gonna to need to spend uh, during an option period so way that way our client can make the most informed decision during that time, there's less surprises later on because sometimes we'll receive a call from a prospective client and says, say, "Hey, uh, we're closing on a property today. Uh, we we need a property management to, manager tomorrow. Fantastic, great. We'll go through everything. And sometimes what happens is, uh, it says, "Well, but my agent told me I could rent it for, for example, thousand dollars. Says, unfortunately, it only rent for eight hundred dollars. Not that the agent was being malicious by no means. That's not their wheelhouse. Right. Um, they're not there to kind of really assess. You guys the nuances. You call it you guys overly do optimistic. We'll do that. So that way your client yeah, has right? all the information. They know what the current rate rents could be during this time, the way as is. What are the relevant market value adds that we can do? How much is that going to cost and what's going to be the new rent amount? So when the time comes to close, not only does your PM team have the vendors lined up if there's work to be done. It's, they're already rocking and rolling day one when after it's closed. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also know what rents we're going to hit and who's going to be accountable, right? Your property manager is the one's going to be accountable for hitting those rents, not the agent that helped sure.
3: Well, And I think that's a huge, huge point to make because something, as I look deeper into it, you know, you go on all these online ones that are for sale, which, you know, that's not usually where you find them, but you look at the prospective rents Mm. and they are wildly optimistic. If you didn't live in San Antonio, if you didn't live and work and know the area well, if you're buying from out of California, Mexico, wherever, be like, yeah, because you don't know that $1,200 a month is a wildly optimistic rent amount in a certain area of San Antonio when really based on you know, us here, we'd probably know that it would only rent out for nine hundred. But if you start looking at these online properties, wildly optimistic is what I would That's call.
2: That's a good point. You right? Have a, you have a question?
0: Yeah, I did. I and kind of to your point. I was wondering wh- where do most of your clients come from?
2: You know, we've been fortunate to grow by word of mouth. Okay. Uh, we really don't do much marketing. Uh, going back to we we're talking about our model that we kind of keep it under a certain number. It it's. Um, It has worked well for us. Okay. Uh, So most of ours is just word of mouth, really. And are they Uh, local, or are they? uh, So about 65 to 70% of our clients are out of state, out of country. So you're boots Uh, on the ground. We're boots, that's a great way of putting it. We're boots on the ground uh, throughout, of course, this being Military City USA, uh, when we first started, many of our clients were uh, military. Mm -hmm. And it was during the time, it was about 2010, 2011, uh, where that crash was happening, we saw that a lot of individuals weren't able to sell their homes and they were going to be stationed somewhere else. So that's kind of how we started. And a lot of our systems became, because of that, was these individuals are definitely out of contact most of the times. So we built a lot of our systems for individuals that just needed, once again, that turnkey, full service Uh And it's grown throughout the years. And now, yes, it's, it's, it wasn't intentional, but uh, because of the way we were constructed, I think individuals that are out of state, out of country feel comfortable with us because we, we are able to take care of everything from A to Z. And we have that communication where they know, I mean, where videos or, or photos, they see the progress. If we're doing something minor, uh, as HVAC system uh, uh, change out or full renovations, you're seeing it all documented and you can see what's happening.
1: Uh, cool. We're about out of time. We Did you have much. a last question you want to fit in? No, I think that, that, uh, that covers what I wanted to know.
2: Awesome. Well,
1: thanks, Jaime. we got Absolutely. a whole lot of information there. Um, and when it comes to real estate investing, it is a whole world. Oh, right? yeah. And you've got to know what you're doing. And a mistake that you make in the very beginning or any, anywhere during the process can cost you big time. So getting professionals to help with that, I think, is is, is a huge deal. All right, as so wrap of the show, quick. Oh, so if Jaime, if people want to get in touch with you, how do they do that?
2: Uh, you can reach me at area code 210-672-4000, or our website is spm-roi.com.
1: Cool. And Keaton?
0: Yeah, if people want to get in touch with us, they can reach us at txsuits.com or 210-503-2800. Awesome. I feel
3: like y'all should really capitalize on the fact that Suits is on Netflix now and everybody's watching it and like you could like really lean into that and you're like, what are Texas would. Suits. Hey. Hey. And reach hey. out to Keaton. Yeah. Reach out to Keaton. I love it. <laughs> <I'm telling you>. <laughs> <laughs> something I love there. it. There's something there. <laughs> All
1: right. As we wrap up the show, quick reminder, check out our latest podcast or catch video versions of the show anytime by visiting our website at SATalkradio.com. That's going to be it for us. You guys have a great week. We will see you on the next one. Hey, thank, thank you, you so much. Thanks All for nice.
0: having us.